No my Heidi Mike welcome to the panel on RNZ National Wallace Chapman here. Great to be with you. People are doing what they can to help others in extraordinary times. We talked to a dairy owner in Tairafati, no FPOS, allowing the locals to put items on credit. Also today, in other news, the government has confirmed it will establish 82 new attendance officer roles, plus additional further investment, $74 million, clamping down on truancy. Today, we lag in the OECD on truancy. Is that money enough? Also, National MP Maureen Pugh says she's yet to see the evidence that humans have contributed to climate change, saying a lot of the damage, especially in Auckland, was because people weren't allowed to prune the trees and manage them. She's since regretted the comment, but we put them to one of the organisers of the climate strike Next Friday, 3rd of March, you can text me, the, uh, you can text the panel, 2101. You can email us at the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me this afternoon, freelance journalist Sally Wernley. Sally, kia ora, welcome to the show. Thank you, kia ora, Wallace. Nice to have you here. Nice to be here. Also, haven't seen him in a long time, Wade Jackson, founder and artistic director of the COVID Theatre, high performance coach. Wade, how are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Very good to see you too. So, Likewise. Sally, Wade in studio today. Well, getting the word out, getting reliable information to those that need it who may have no connectivity. It's been a major issue with Cyclone Gabrielle, hasn't it? And whilst the big broadcasters, the likes of RNZ, they've played a big role, it can often be those local radio stations on the ground that know the area intimately the people turn to. Radio Ngāti Parau, based in Ruatoria, switched to a 24-hour broadcasting in Cycling Gabriel. With us is Radio Ngāti Parau Station Manager, Irana Reedy. Irana, kia ora, good to have you here. Kia ora, Wallace, tēnā koutou katoa. Yeah, it, it would be hard to imagine a more difficult and challenging event that you've reported locally on, I can imagine, Rana. Yeah, well, um, we... Started our broadcast, a uh, 24-hour broadcast, seven o'clock, uh, four o'clock on Sunday evening, and that was following a local civil defence um, meeting. And essentially, I honestly didn't realise how many people would be tuned into that broadcast. And when I think about one, we lost power, we lost um, a whole lot of things, and people are sitting in the dark in their homes. Um, wondering what the hell's going on and then the radio station comes through loud and clear it's certainly been um, a major role in terms of keeping everyone connected um, and informed about what was coming um, we kind of have done we've had a practice run at this Wallace we've done um, just about every cyclone and storm over the last five years yeah. um, and we have the network of local civil defence coordinators we know them all intimately know their family so it's easy to call them and say well Joe Balkan how are things up there in Hicks Bay and we know the mm. pro- problem areas in each um, township so we can align our question lines around that and how the families are evacuating out of Mangatuna. Um, so, yeah, we're kind of primed for this. We've, we've yeah. had a practice run, and it's a crucial lifeline for those. Um, we've had feedback from people who were saying we were sitting in the dark but listened to the radio station, and it kept us connected and felt loved 
and entertain. So, um, you know, good balance between light stuff and then the serious stuff and what was happening around Absolutely, us. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Erana, we've got a panel with us. Uh, Sally? Erana, what a wonderful thing to do, and unfortunately you have obviously done it many times before. Mm. I'm interested to know when you said entertainment, what sort of entertainment did you provide? Um, well, I've got a couple of um, sort of announcers who are just naturally funny, um, and it was more around keeping our voice breaks upbeat and positive and um, ensuring everything wasn't doom and gloom because I'm the factual reporter, the doom and gloom, this is what's happening to us, this is how fast it's approaching, here's a weather and climatologist to talk us through what's happening. So we actually had a good balance of hosts that could provide light and shade to the broadcast as well, and then you just line up the songs that are relevant to whatever they're talking about, and it becomes a really good listen and our people are used to receiving that sort of content of the way we we put it out. And um, so we were lucky because we lost connectivity here. So we still broadcasted local and our local civil defence base in Rotoria had a, um, a Starlink that had come, come that day on the Sunday. So we had connectivity. So I was driving down to the civil defence base gathering all the intelligence, the um, uh, posts we were getting from Tairawhiti Civil Defence, because at one stage even the Civil Defence comms weren't working right. that well. Yeah. So, and then posting to the Facebook so that Ngāti Pro, um outside the region knew we were still alive and we were still broadcasting. Most of them were tuned in to us and enjoying the broadcast, because it also gave our people who don't live here, the bulk of our people don't live in Ngāti Pro peace of mind that um, they had a connection. When they lost the connection and we went offline, um, yeah, we had a lot of people trying to contact us and ask when we were back online. It didn't take us long, though. Yeah, we fully it. restored um, online, but yeah. All right, Wade. I can imagine uh, being online there gives people a lot of comfort. I'm, as someone who does comedy for a living, I'm interested. How was... Um, how, was there a comedy about the actual uh, tragic circumstances themselves, like that we call like gallows humour, dark humour? How were how were people um, uh, expressing their comedy or, or or getting the laughter happening? I think we might have dropped that. Are you are you there, Anna? Oh, were you asking me? Sorry. Yes, it yes. Was, I guess it was just the way it was just a sort of echoing uh, Sally's uh, notion there in terms of that uh, that personality coming across from the broadcasters, you know, knowing your audience intimately, huh? Yeah, and it, it is all about we do know our people. We do know who's doing what, where they're doing it. We had messaging going over like um, the local roading people were getting the diesel... Um, siphoned from the machinery so you got to put it in a way that people will receive it it's a bit of a ground but at the same time you can add a bit of humour and it's, um, it's essentially my my um, announcers exude a Ngāti Pro personality which is one um, articulate, humorous and to some degree intelligent and we've got our own style of humour um, that isn't bad taste but um, lift is, is um, 
spirit lifting and yeah, lift people's spirits. When Tell me, Adana, I want to ask you this. Does, this: does this kind of strengthen the case for, you know, the likes of Radio Ngāti Parau here to have their funding up, perhaps, you know, considering this has been a lifeline for many? Back to that notion of you've got a role for the majors like, you know, YRNZs perhaps, but you guys are really providing that the, the, the eyes on the ground so local, such local knowledge so intimately. Yeah, well, we're the gateway to local communities. So if anyone wants to get a message directly to Māori communities, Iwi Radio is the way to go. And it's one of the reasons Radio Ngāti Pro was set up, was to ensure that there's ongoing dialogue and information about the outside world and how it affects us here to our listeners um, and to our people. So it's kind it's a bit of a mission. They tell me I get a bit of evangel- evangelic when I talk about the role of Iwi Radio in terms of local broadcasting. Because I was one of the thousands caught up in the Auckland floods. Mm. Um, I, went, you know, I was hoping to see um, Elton John on the Saturday night. But oh, yes. on Friday night, 6 o'clock, had driven into town and gone to dinner. None the wiser that the Bloomin' Motorway was flooded. Now, if Radio Ngāti had been broadcasting into Auckland, we would have been telling people stay off the motorways. We would have been connected to Waka Kotahi, to um, civil defence, and be pumping those messages to our people because there's no other way they can listen to local information. Uh, is the road open to Gisborne? We're constantly being asked that. There was none of that in the radio station. I think I listened to Marcus Lush and he was imparting the odd message, but not a consistent broadcast around what was actually happening in Auckland at that time. So, yeah. Interesting. We, yeah, it, it was quite dangerous, but yeah. no information had been going out. Erana? And we do such a good job now. Our civil yeah. defence people rely on us to do that. It's 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 a real pleasure to have you on uh, the programme, Erana. Uh, thanks for taking your time up for us, huh? Cool. Bye. Yeah, that's uh, Rana Reddy there. That's the Na- Radio Ngāti Paro uh, station manager there, doing amazing work eh, in uh, Ruatoria there, getting that message out. It is 5 to 4. You're on the panel on RNZ National Time for uh, I've been thinking, why didn't you start Wade? I haven't seen you for a wee while. So jump on in. What's your IBT today? Uh, I've been thinking about just uh, anxiety, actually, the, the level of anxiety that exists amongst people, um, what causes it, what stimulates it, what keeps it going, and then you know, strategies to uh, manage that. We're talking, having a conversation with some people at the theatre and some are talking about like, being very, very anxious, and that's become almost like their new normal. And just like, you know, that's not a, that's not a healthy way to be. So we're talking about strategies around gratitude, uh, strategies around just uh, an improv we talk about, uh, act at the scene that you're in, not the scene you want to be in. So you have to do, these are the given circumstances, so you have to, what can you control around here and then what do you have to let go of? There's a lot of letting go in that process. So I think there's a, it comes back to that old adage of I think, let's make it concrete here. Here's an example. Um, I mean, a lot of homes got flooded or nearly flooded and rains will be coming in, we know that. Uh, is an example of anxiety going, what next? Yeah, it was, it was like, like uh, my lounge got flooded and um, I experienced that feeling of powerlessness of just watching the water coming in going, uh, apart from getting everything off the ground, there is nothing I can do. And a part of me uh, did not enjoy that. But then a part of me afterwards, I, really, I have to accept that if it happens again, there is nothing you can really do. Once you've done everything you can, it is about just letting, letting, having to let that go.
Very the more, good, Wade. The more yeah. you think about it, the more nice it just to have keeps you going. Sally Winley, I've been thinking. I've been thinking we need to slash the slash. Now, slash is what you'd call a byproduct from these pine trees. It is when they get the machines in there to harvest them, and it is all the branches and debris and the trees that aren't quite up to scratch to be made into timber. Now, um, there are big companies internationally, forestry companies that have been investing in New Zealand forests, buying up local lands, sidelining farmers, and offering a, a decent interest rate to investors because they get carbon credits via the government. So what has been happening is they come in, they harvest these huge forests, they've left all this debris. And what's happened is this debris has turned into flying torpedoes. It's been dumped in gullies, which when you have a flood, it obviously goes down. It has smashing been bridges. Smashing bridges, smashing people, smashing houses. And there are pastoral farmers who have told their forestry contractors, hey, don't put it in the gully. We need it left here so we can dry it and burn it. So these big international forest companies need to stop, change their practices, charge less interest to their investors to do ethical, moral and sensible harvesting. It needs to stop, it needs to change, it's killing environments, it's killing people and it's left a plethora of disgusting what hundreds and hundreds of metres of kilometres of driftwood and underneath it I hate to think what is left sitting there. So I think the government needs to go, whoa, and there needs to be an investigation, but before an been, investigation, long just coming. stop it. And yeah. there are many floods before. Yes. There'll be people nodding their heads, like Gisborne up north, um, where they've had this so many times, and they've been banging their okay. heads against is brick this, walls. Is this a classic example of what we what what we say polluter pays? What do you mean? Well, the the polluter pays the person, the the, the organisation who. Uh, who, who this she belongs to? They stump up the cost. Polluter pays. Oh yes, Do you definitely. Know what I mean? Yes, they would get less income from their investment, but it would be better for the whole country to get rid of it. Who pays? The companies that own yeah. it, or the farmer that grows it, or the investors that invest in the company that plants it or buys the land to make Got it up. possible. Sally Wenley uh, with us this afternoon, and Wade Jackson. You're on the panel on RNZ National.